Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Peter Laws. And before we start tonight's creepy episode, I just wanted to say that if you ever want to get ad-free episodes of both Frightful and my other podcast, Our Curious Past, then check out patreon.com forward slash Peter Laws. You can get a bunch of extras, including the ad-free episodes, but also a connection with me. And if you ever want to sort of uh, chat about what's on the show, it's a good place to do it. So if you want to go to patreon.com forward slash Peter Laws, you can check that out. And thanks again to all the patrons for making these shows possible. Previously on Frightful, we followed the curious case of Teresita Bassa, who, in 1977, was stabbed to death in her Chicago apartment before being covered in a mattress and set on fire. With no real leads, it looked like this horrendous crime would remain unsolved until the case took a supernatural turn, when the months dead Teresita somehow appeared to her work colleague Remy Chua. In the weeks after, Remy would start to take on the personality of the dead woman, but events would grow darker still after Remy's parents and husband heard her suddenly screaming from her bedroom. Jose flung the phone down and rushed into the bedroom, frightened at what he might find. And simultaneously, Remy's parents came bounding up the stairs because they too had heard the scream. The three of them, Jose and his parents-in-law, pushed through Remy's doorway, worried about what they might find in there. And when they stepped inside, they shivered, because the room was freezing, and the air was desperately cold, and it felt damp. And this temperature was completely different from the rest of the house. Remy's mother later said that as she stepped inside, she felt her scalp start to tingle, and the hair on her body began to stand up on end, She said it was so distinct that she felt it was like being sucked up from a kind of vacuum cleaner. But that wasn't the worst of it. Because when they first entered the room, they were worried to find the bed empty. But when they turned, they saw Remy, who was still in the depths of sleep. She was walking toward them, her arms outstretched like she wanted to touch them. This was incredibly unusual because both Jose and Remy's parents knew her better than anyone. They had known her throughout her life and had never witnessed her sleepwalking. And yet here she was, staggering towards them, her eyes closed like a bizarre specter. But then Remy seemed to hesitate for a moment and she stepped back and fell, landing on the bed. Jose, being a doctor, was concerned and he dropped to his knees beside the bed. He realized that she had fallen into an awkward position, and so he wanted to make sure that she could get into a more safer, better position. But as he went to lift her arm, he couldn't move it. He tugged and pulled, and it just lay there like it was dead. It wasn't that she was naturally resisting him as such, it's just it seemed fixed. Considering Jose was a doctor, he said later that he had never experienced anything like it. Then they noticed Remy herself. Her mouth was starting to move. And then words formed on her lips. And the voice that came out was not the voice of their wife or their daughter. 
According to the paranormal researcher and author Richard Weiner, this is what the voice said. I, it said through Remy, I am Teresita Bassa. Nothing has been done about the man who killed me. Go to the police. You are a doctor. They will listen to you. Shaken, Jose looked at Remy's parents, who were looking on in awe. And so Jose replied to the voice, What do you want me to tell the police? Tell them a man came into my apartment and choked and stabbed me. What man? Jose asked. But she just said, Tell them, Chua, please, please. And once the voice said this final sentence, the temperature in the room suddenly leapt back up to the levels of the rest of the house, and the summer heat filled the space like it should have. And Remy's parents and Jose knew that whatever or whoever was in that room with them was gone. For now. Remy fluttered her eyelids open and was confused to see the others standing over her. What happened? She said. Remy's father in particular was convinced. The spirit of a murdered woman had somehow taken possession of his daughter's body. Despite the pleading voice, Remy's husband, Jose, did not follow through with the request. He didn't go to the police because he felt it was pointless. After all, the spirit voice had not told him who the killer was. So what did he have to offer the police other than a bizarre and frankly silly story? But that same week, the voice returned, speaking through Remy again. And once again, Jose and Remy's parents were there to witness it. And the voice was confused. Why haven't you told the police? You must speak to the police. And Remy's father went into a panic at this, desperately trying to tell the spirit of Teresita to leave his daughter in peace. But Jose tried to shush him and leaned in. He said to the voice, if I go to the police with this, I need a name. Give me a name. And the voice did exactly that. It said, Alan killed me. I let him in my apartment and he killed me. You must go to the police. It was during the third incident of The Voice where the real details started to come out. It said that Alan Shari was an orderly at work, but also that he stole some jewellery from Teresita, which he had given to his live-in girlfriend. Then the information became amazingly detailed. The voice started to name two male friends of Teresita, saying that they knew what the jewellery looked like, and that this voice started to give their names, but also their phone numbers. These things were so specific, it almost seemed like this really must be the voice of Teresita after all. But how is this possible? The husband, nonetheless, grabbed a pencil and frantically scribbled all of these details down, including when the voice of Teresita said, Tell the police that Alan came to fix my television and he killed me and burned me. Whether Jose was at his wit's end or if he had simply felt more confident having more specific information for the police, he decided the time had finally come. He would go to speak to the law. It was August the 8th when Jose took a deep breath and he headed into the police station ready to share his outlandish story. Think about how hard this must have been for him. He was a doctor, and here he was seemingly paying credence to the supernatural. But he shared his story that day, and one of the assigned detectives on the case, uh, Detective Stakula, was skeptical, of course. But you have to remember that there had been no leads in this homicide at all for five or six months after the killing now. And so he decided to follow up these frantic scribblings of the doctor. What harm could it do, after all? The first port of call was, of course, Alan Showery, the hospital orderly. And Stakula was 
intrigued to discover that Shari had actually got a string of previous convictions in New York City, including for two counts of rape. What's more, there had been complaints and suspicions of him at work. The issue? People were saying that he was visiting dying patients and stealing their jewelry. Another discovery made Detective Stokola sit up and take notice. Alan Shari lived a mere four blocks away from Teresita's apartment building. Despite the manner in which this information came to them, the detectives now had good reason to at least bring Alan Shari in for questioning, and so they did. They brought him to the police headquarters of the Chicago's Area 6, and they asked him about Teresita. And Shari admitted that yes, he knew the victim, but only because he worked at the same hospital. But they probed him on this. They challenged him, saying, actually... We've been told that on the night of her murder, you went to her apartment to fix her TV set. Isn't that true? And he said, well, yes, I was supposed to go and fix her TV, but I didn't. And that he ended up going to a bar and got caught up with some friends or some people there and lost track of time and that he forgot to go. That was his story. Detective Stracola was not stupid. And he just looked at Shari and said, nah, that doesn't sound right. And this subtle challenge to his story started to get Shari perturbed. And he just kept saying, no, no, I've, I've never been to Teresita's apartment, never. To which another officer in the interview, Detective Lee Eplin, said, we have multiple witnesses who say you have been to her apartment several times already. Oh, he said, I carried the groceries into her lobby for her, but never into her apartment. Now, these were seasoned detectives and they knew a liar when they saw one, so they cranked the screw a little more and said, Well, okay then, we'll just take your fingerprints and we'll compare them with the ones we found at the apartment. And it was now when Shari fell into a panic and he admitted, Okay, I was in her apartment that night, but only for a minute or two. But I didn't have the right tools to fix her TV, so I went home. They asked him, well, anybody that you know can vouch for you being at home that night? And he said, yes, ask my wife. So they raised this tension even more by saying, fair enough. How about you wait here and we'll go and talk to your wife right now. So the two detectives, Stacken and Eplin, hopped in the car and headed over to Shari's place. And yes, they did find a woman there. But she seemed confused by a couple of things that they said. Firstly, when they asked her about Shari fixing televisions, she was perplexed, saying this was odd, that he was not good with electricals. But then they asked if she was Shari's wife, and she frowned. She said, well, we plan on getting married, but right now, I'm just his girlfriend. Her name, by the way, was Yanka Kamlo. This reminded them of something that the voice had said through Remy. Didn't she say that Shari stole Teresita's jewelry and gave it to his girlfriend? And so they quizzed her on the jewelry. And she admitted that, yes, Shari did indeed give her an item. In fact, two items of jewelry earlier that year, an antique ring and a jade pendant. And when the detectives asked her to be more specific, she said that she received them as a late Christmas present. And she got them at the end of February, the beginning of March just about a week or so after the murder of Teresita. As skeptical as they had been at first, things were starting to fall in place. When I was at high school, I tried to learn to speak German. It seemed easier than French, but it was still a challenge. 
I had a German exam once where I thought I'd impressed the teacher by speaking German as I walked into the exam hall. Brrr, I shivered and said, Es ist kalt, Fräulein, which roughly translated was, It is cold, lady. Yeah, no wonder she rolled her eyes at me. If only I'd had access to Babbel back then. Babbel is an award-winning language learning app that has sold more than 10 million subscriptions. It's an effective and easy way to learn a new language, and the way they present the material makes it addictively fun. Maybe you're traveling overseas or want to connect with family or friends. Or perhaps you have some free time and you want to fill it with something actually constructive. Well, with Babbel, you can pick from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, and Italian. For me, I choose to revisit the German language to see if I could build on what I learned at school. With Babbel, you learn in 15-minute lessons, so it slots very easily into your day. And what's more, the lesson plans are not created by AI like some other language apps do, but these are specifically created by over 100 language experts. And plus, this is a really clever feature. Babbel uses speech recognition technology to assess your pronunciation and accent to help you get better and better. And as well as the lessons, you get access to a podcast and games and videos, stories, and even live classes with actual human teachers. It's really worth trying, and heck, if you don't like it, you can say Auf Wiedersehen at no cost because it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Das ist gut, ja? Right now, save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash frightful. That's babbel.com slash frightful for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Until my early 20s, I never really ate fresh food. I just stuffed a lot of processed gunk in my mouth. It was quick and easy, and it hit the spot for like half an hour. But it never really satisfied, and certainly didn't leave me in good shape. I remember when I first met my future wife at university, and she came in to see what I was making for dinner. Hamburgers. From a can. Just slopping out what looked like diseased skin grafts onto a frying pan and then sticking them between two slices of bread. Yeah, it wasn't particularly romantic and Gordon Ramsay would have punched me on the spot. But over the years since, I've really learned the benefit and surprising pleasure of making home-cooked meals with fresh and healthy ingredients. It's made a difference to my life, my shape, my habits, my health, my mental health. And this is why it's worth considering HelloFresh, who deliver farm-fresh produce to your door with tasty seasonal recipes. And they even send you pre-portioned ingredients so you get the flavors just right. Let's face it, sometimes the barrier to eating well isn't just laziness, but also temptation. You go to the grocery store saying, I'll buy stuff for a healthy meal, and then at the till you notice all the addictive, sugar-soaked, fat-filled, chemically sprayed junk in your basket, and it's like, oh, I guess uh, maybe next time. Well, HelloFresh can help make next time this time, because you can skip the grocery store altogether and get the good stuff on your doorstep, save you time and temptation. You'll be cooking up delicious, nutritious, home-cooked meals, which are 72% cheaper than dining out at a restaurant and even cheaper than the grocery store. To really start treating our bodies well, I do think a lot of us need help. Because left to us, we just keep sliding back into our junk food habits. HelloFresh offers a helping hand and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. It's why it's America's number one meal kit. Now, long-time listeners of Frightful might remember me advertising a similar service in the past called EveryPlate. Well, guess what? EveryPlate is now owned by HelloFresh, so now you have even more choices in your meal plan options. Well, I'm excited to give my listeners a very decent offer from HelloFresh. 
Go to HelloFresh.com slash Frightful16 and use code Frightful16 for 16 free meals across 7 boxes and 3 free gifts. Yes, go to HelloFresh.com slash Frightful16 and use code Frightful16 for 16 free meals across 7 boxes and 3 gifts. And then you too can switch from being a canned hamburger type to a healthier, happier eater with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. This was dramatically confirmed when they decided to grab the phone and call the number of those friends of Teresita, the people who the spirit voice had said would know what the jewellery looked like. And sure enough, they described a pendant and an antique ring. And the family members of Teresita also confirmed the description of this jewellery. Amazed, they took the girlfriend back to the police station. And they also took the ring and the pendant and set it down in front of Shari, and they said, where did you get this? Shaking now, Shari just babbled something about picking up a ring and the pendant at a pawn shop. But when he was challenged, he couldn't say the name of the shop or indeed even produce a receipt for it. It was all falling apart. But the moment that broke him was when his girlfriend was brought into the interrogation room. And when he saw her, He could lie no longer, and he finally admitted that, yes, he had killed Teresita Bassa. And this is how he did it. Shari told police that, yes, Teresita had asked him to fix her TV that night. And so he arrived at 5 p.m. But like he said earlier, he didn't have the correct tools, so he left. But he admitted that he didn't stay home. Instead, he came back to Teresita's place at 7.30. She let him in, and he immediately attacked her. He hit her head so that she fell to the ground unconscious and then he rifled through her belongings in the apartment looking for valuables. Remember, he was just an orderly while she was a medical professional so he assumed that she would have some expensive items and he had a habit of imagining himself as a rich and important person. In fact, he told police that he had previously told Teresita of his financial difficulties and that she had given him generous tips in exchange for odd jobs as he tried to work his way up. And fixing the TV was presumably one of those jobs that she had kindly offered to help him out. And he repaid her by knocking her unconscious to the floor. Once he had found all the valuables he could, he turned to Teresita who was still lying there on the ground. What would he do? It didn't take him long to decide. He dragged her into the bedroom and started to take off her clothes. Then he took her legs and he hitched them so they were wide apart. His plan was to make it look like she had been raped. Remember that he had raped two people in the past, but he chose not to do anything now. He was trying to minimize evidence. What he didn't know at this stage was that Teresita was a virgin. And so medical examiners would know that she hadn't actually been raped despite how it looked. But of course he did know that Teresita had seen him attack her. And so he couldn't just leave her to wake up again. Which is when this crime moved from assault and theft and battery to murder. He took a butcher knife from the kitchen. Then he placed the tip on her bare chest and he plunged it into her body, sinking the handle deep between her ribs. Then he grabbed the strewn clothes and draped them over her, as well as some blankets and cushions. And then he dragged the mattress itself off the bed, 
and he placed it awkwardly on top of her. And he set the whole thing on fire, with poor Teresita naked and trapped underneath. And the detectives looked at one another in astonishment as he shared this story. An insane and ridiculous claim of a doctor who said his wife was possessed by the spirit of a dead woman had rung true at every step. And now with this confession, which would never have come along otherwise, they were able to charge him with murder. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report from ABC News Chicago. Here is correspondent Greg... Shari went to a trial that was dubbed in the media as the Voice from the Grave trial, and it took place almost two years after the murder. The prosecution presented 13 witnesses over four days, and the jury was made up of eight men and four women. On the fifth day of the trial, Shari said he'd only confessed to the crime two years earlier because he said the police had fed him information on the case and manipulated him. And he also said that the detectives had threatened to arrest both him and his girlfriend on a murder charge, which is why he confessed. And the jury was deadlocked. And that trial ended on January the 26th, 1979, without a clear outcome. And so a new trial was set. But before it happened, Shari pled guilty to the crime. It was a gamble because he may well have been released. But something changed his mind. Perhaps his lawyers told him it was the best thing to do. Maybe it was too risky to face another jury with this amount of evidence against him. Or maybe somebody else paid him a visit to convince him. Whatever the case, Alan Shari was eventually sentenced to 14 years in prison. Considering the charges were murder, robbery and arson, it's a surprise he didn't get more. Only four years later... He was paroled from Stateville Correctional Center, which is near Juliet, convicted and tried on the testimony of his murder victim. It's said that he ended up living in New York. He may well still be there today. You know, I learned a term this week which I've never heard before. It's called the homicide clearance rate. This is a percentage figure that will show how many murders are actually sold by police in any one year. Once a killer is found and prosecuted, the homicide is cleared and the clearance rate goes up. Tonight's murder case happened in 1977, and so I checked the homicide clearance rate for the US back then, and it was about 70%. That's 7 out of 10 murders solved. It's not perfect, but it's fairly good. You might hope that with modern technology and DNA techniques at the disposal of the police, the rate would keep improving year on year. Yet in recent decades, the clearance rate has actually gone down. The latest figures released by the FBI only go up to 2021. And they said that, whereas in the late 70s it was 7 out of 10 murders solved, in 2021 it was 5 out of 10, in fact just under 5. That's just over half of all murderers not ever being found. It makes you wonder if more murder victims could step forward to give the police a helping hand. And so, was this truly a case of a voice beyond the grave solving her own crime? It certainly appears that way, but some critics of the affair argue that there may have been other explanations. Shari's defense team challenged the ghostly testimony of Remy Shaw, saying that she knew Alan Shari from work already, and that he was putting in complaints about the quality of her work, and that she must have sought revenge by implicating him in this crime through this bizarre story. And yet, he did plead guilty to the crime. 
Did Remy Shaw somehow become aware of what Shari had done and had simply presented it in a dramatic, seemingly supernatural way? It's possible, I suppose, though it's baffling as to why she would choose that method when simply telling the police in a normal way would have been completely sufficient, in fact, would be more believable. Unless she had suspicions deep down in her subconscious that only came out in this bizarre notion of ghosts, these theories in themselves are far-fetched, and they don't explain details like the antique ring or the pendant. The case was solved on the strength of the words that came out of Remy's mouth. Whether you see those words coming from her or her subconscious or from a spirit is, of course, your choice. But for many, the case of Teresita Bassa is incredibly persuasive and detailed proof that death may not be the end and that those who lose their lives in particularly horrible circumstances sometimes come back to make things right. Well, I'm Peter Laws, and you've been listening to the case of the ghost that solved her own murder on Frightful. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.